There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. Boxing with Chris Mannix is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There is no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. It's got great odds and markets for Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, PGA Tour, and so much more. And of course, boxing, which is why you're listening to this. It is awesome with new and existing user promotions. It is America's number one sports book. It's safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. It's fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. And you can discover the most popular SGPs each day right when you log in. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code BOXING so that they know that I sent you. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right, Al Bernstein is here. Longtime boxing commentator, Showtime boxing analyst. On Saturday, Al will be ringside in San Antonio for the 126-pound world title fight between Mark Magsayo and former 122-pound champion Ray Vargas. That fight's at the Alamo Dome, and you can see that on Showtime. I got to tell you, Al, San Antonio starting to grow on me a little bit as a boxing town. I know you've been back a few times in the last couple of years. Mm. I'm starting to like San Antonio as a boxing town. Yeah, San Antonio has a rich history um, of champions in the past, people like Jesse James, Lehan, so many others, and uh, lots of boxing fans down there. And the city itself is, you know, a really great city to visit, nothing better than the Riverwalk. And they're starting to, you know, now back in the boxing business, uh, Bam Rodriguez, fighting down there and uh, this, this fight going down there and others. So um, it's great to see. I love when a city 
it's like kind of like Minneapolis in recent times, right? Uh, with their great uh, venue there, the Armory. Uh, it's it's kind of a little bit of a revitalization of the sport, which is fun. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned Bam Rodriguez. He fought at this new venue called I think it's the Techport Center and Arena which is a really small venue, mm-hmm. which is one thing I think was missing from San Antonio over the years yeah. because you had to do fights at the Alamo Dome or AT&T Center. Um, this place, I think, held about 2,500 fans. It is kind of perfect for those lower-tier fights or with younger fighters that haven't built the kind of fan base that warrants a trip to the Alamo Dome or to AT&T Center. So I hope there are more fights in San Antonio, and I hope um, uh, more fights at that smaller venue as well until guys – uh, get to a certain level uh, in boxing. I want to talk about the Megsayo-Vargas fight, but I want to begin, Al, uh, talking about uh, some news that broke yesterday involving another fight that's going to wind up on Showtime pay-per-view. That's uh, Jake Paul, everybody's favorite pseudo-boxer. He is uh, was scheduled to face Tommy Fury in an anticipated fight on August 6th at Madison Square Garden. Last week, Tommy Fury could not get into the United States for reasons that are not clear at the moment. Jake Paul has elected to move on. Uh, I was told Jake is finalizing a deal to face Asim Rahman Jr., the son of ex-heavyweight champion Asim Rahman. Rahman Jr., nowhere near as accomplished as his father, but he's 12-1 as a professional and seemingly fills the uh, void or the role of real fighter that Jake Paul has been urged to face at some point. So, Al, let me start there. I mean... You know, how did you feel about Jake Paul fighting Tommy Fury? And how do you feel about Jake Paul now fighting Asim Rockman Jr.? You know, the Fury fight seems star-crossed. Um, <clears throat> it's had many fits and starts. And now this last episode uh, in which Fury couldn't get into the country, some question how zealous he was in the attempt to do so. That's uh, who knows. Uh, but in any case, it turns out he can't. And the, the intriguing part about this is that it's conceivable that the change in opponent from Tommy Fury to Haseem Rahman may offer a bigger challenge to uh, Jake Paul, who you aptly referred to as a pseudo boxer. I don't get that was a good phrase. Um, but <clears throat> Haseem Rahman has a loss. He lost to Tommy Morrison's son, but he was doing well in that fight. Uh, and he's... And he is a pro boxer, as you point out. So um, <clears throat> that was the, the mission statement for Jake Paul this time around was to fight an actual professional boxer. Um, and toward that end, Hasim Rahman will fill the bill. Now, he, he has come in and fights higher in weight than uh, the cruiserweight level, for sure. So we'll see what he weighs in at. That could be a, a big part of this story as well, if, in fact, they make the deal with him and most important and central to this entire issue is that the fact that that fight has been saved means that I can see a second Broadway show in New York uh, after we're in <laughs> town on the 31st. So, you know, I, I have my priorities straight. That's right. From Danny Garcia to Jake Paul, an extended trip into Manhattan. I like that. Um, I'm fine <clears throat> with Jake Paul fighting a scene rock, but in fact, I'd go as far out as to say I'm impressed that Jake Paul is fighting a seam Rockman Jr. You know, Rockman Jr. <clears throat> is not a world champion, not going to be a world champion, mm-hmm. but 
he is an established fighter who fights at a higher weight class. His last fight, he fought around 220 pounds. They're going to have to find a weight that works between Jake Paul's 190, 195 type of weight and the weight that Asim Rockman Jr. uh, fights at. But more to the point, Al, like whenever I hear criticism of Jake Paul, especially from former fighters, I check the receipts. And I check the receipts, and I mean that by I look at who they were fighting in their sixth professional fight. Jake Paul's 5-0. and This will be his sixth fight. So I go back to my good friend, Sergio Mora, my broadcast partner over at DAZN, who in his sixth professional fight fought a guy named Warren Kronberger, who sounds like my tax attorney, who was 3-6 and six at the time <laughs> and finished his illustrious boxing career at 4-10. and 10. Tony Bellew, love Tony Bellew, former champion, tremendous career. His sixth fight was against... Hastings Rossani, who was 19-35-2. The sixth fight, he fought Hastings Rossani. Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., I promise I'll stop here. <laughs> Former champion who has, who has his eyes on a fight with Jake Paul at some point in the future. In his sixth pro fight, Al, he faced Guadalupe Arce, who at the time was 0-14. So, like, Jake is highly visible. But yeah, in his sixth professional fight, in his sixth professional fight, Jake is facing someone who is 12 and 1. That's better than the record of what most guys were facing at this point in their career. Yeah, I, I no, I get your point. And uh, part of the difference, the, the thing that would make the scenario slightly different uh, uh, is that those fights for those famous fighters were a little more obscure than. Jake Paul, who has built a uh, an industry around this, his boxing activities. And so he's in Madison Square Garden in the main room in a, a pay-per-view. But your point is well taken. Here he is in his sixth fight. And I, I do believe, agree with you that taking on uh, Rachman represents an appropriate, very appropriate fight for him. And you make the point that, you know, Higher weight class is a good professional. Uh, I don't think, by the way, losing to Morrison's son, who's a decent fighter, is, you know, that that's okay because we know the level we're at here. Um, and so I agree with you. I think it's actually, the, it, for what this is, you cannot really, I don't think, complain about him fighting Rockman because I do think it's probably a higher level of competition for him than Tommy Fury would have been. Yeah, and Jake's familiar with Rockman. There are reports that he's sparred with him in the past, so he knows what he's getting into. Right. And they'll obviously make Rockman come down and wait a little yeah. bit to meet somewhere in the middle. But I, look, I'm impressed by Jake doing this. I was, you know, I don't think Asim Rockman Jr. is any less dangerous than Tommy Fury, no. who had a nice record, but he wasn't beating real top level guys either. No, absolutely. And and this was the point that there was going to be this spot here where look, we don't know the the arc of the Jake Paul phenomena, right? Um we don't know where it's at, where it's going, how how what is the sustainability of it. Uh but while it's interesting to people, it's going to keep happening and and for right now this is kind of an appropriate stop along the way, uh, whether it's a full stop or whether it's just a stop along the way. And um, and what happens is he creates a event. 
And that's what's happening here. And and what what I think people have wanted to see, at least, as we pointed out, was him against a, a true professional boxer, just if, to gauge what we think of him, because it's hard to do from the other opponents. And while Tommy Fury would have been that gauge, Hasim Rahman is certainly the same gauge or more of one. Yeah, I agree. Uh and finally, to Warren Kronberger, if you're out there listening to this podcast, I would like to invite you to the next DAZN event. There I you sit go. you right. front row so you can stare at Sergio Mora and tell him that the judges robbed you in that fight. Because I didn't see it, but I believe it. I believe <laughs> the judges robbed you, Warren. All right, let's move on to uh, women's boxing. Uh, it was announced this week that Clarissa Shields, Savannah Marshall will take place on September 10th over in London. Women's boxing out, starting to experience a bit of a surge at yeah, the moment, yeah. coming off the Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano fight. That was a big event at Madison Square Garden. Savannah Marshall doesn't have this incredibly glossy record or an incredible resume. What she has is a great story. She is the only female boxer to beat Clarissa Shields in the ring. She beat her back in 2012 in an amateur tournament. I was watching the press conference this week Clearly some bad blood between these two women. So you've seen a lot of Clarissa Shields over the years. You know about Savannah Marshall. Is Savannah Marshall a real threat to Clarissa Shields, or is she just a good story to sell a fight? Well, it's a little bit of both. You know, uh, Clarissa Shields, first let's take her. She has um, uh, improved as a boxer as she has gone along, both in her amateur career and her professional career. Uh, and and she's fighting very well. Um, Savannah Marshall brings something different to this fight. She's a power puncher. She's she is not as proficient a fighter as Clarissa Shields, but she has power. And so, a combination of the backstory in which she, as you pointed out, uh, beat Clarissa Shields as an amateur. And the fact that she is knocking women out uh, and doing so in a pretty convincing fashion, which doesn't always happen in women's boxing. Clarissa Shields is an example. She's not a knockout puncher or doesn't often score knockouts. Um, but the, the two factors, the backstory and the fact that Savannah Marshall has a puncher's chance in any fight she would fight in because she does have pure power, makes this, um, you know, I think a fascinating event. Yeah, there are so few true power punchers in women's boxing. Yeah, not that probably many. Count them. No. You probably count them on one hand. No. In the lower, lower weight classes, Sinisa Estrada has power. You go up a little bit higher, Alicia Baumgarner, with the way she knocked out Terry mm -hmm. Harper, she's clearly got some power. Amanda Serrano obviously has mm -hmm. one-punch knockout power. And in the higher weights, it's really Savannah Marshall. And I've watched a bunch of her fights, Al. That's real power that she yeah, has. She's, she's not. Yes, I agree. Good. She's no. She, she's not special. Like she's not. I, Clarissa is the more talented boxer. Right. But Savannah Marshall, kind of in a very basic way, can knock you out. And, and that's what I think she got to be worried of. I'm watching that press conference, and I'm thinking, if Clarissa Shields goes out there and tries to prove that she's the bigger puncher, that she's the one, that that she has to definitively beat Savannah Marshall. That could get her in trouble because Savannah Marshall does have the power to hurt Clarissa Shields. Yeah. Now, what we don't know is, and, and these these things are, while Clarissa Shields isn't known as a big puncher, we also don't know if she can hurt Savannah Marshall. It's possible she may catch Marshall with something that would 
affect her. But you're right. Shields is, uh, and even in her last fight, you know, we saw Shields with opportunities to maybe get in there and, and do a little bit more, but she stayed behind the jab and she was very deliberate in her approach and uh, a box, you know, very, very effectively. That would be the prudent move for her uh, and try to dominate rounds and win rounds and see if she can at some point hurt Marshall. Because yes, if Marshall can catch you with a punch and, and change the course uh, of a fight. And, you know, it's, that's what makes this fight, I think, that the 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 uh, you know the the U.S. versus uh, uh, the U.K. Raya angle, the the her, their history together, all of it makes it, I think, a very very appealing event. Made even more appealing by putting the uh, Michaela Meyer Alicia Bumgarner fight on the same card, which some thought odd because Bumgarner and uh, uh, and Michaela Meyer maybe merited a spot on their own, uh, especially in the United States. But what it's done is make that event uh, a mega event. Yeah, I love it that they tack that on to the Shields Marshall fight, making it a mega women's card yeah. where you've got two meaningful fights yeah, really in great women's fight. boxing. I tell you what, too, I, I love where women's boxing is 100%. at the moment. Uh, it's it still needs to continue to build depth. Yeah. But as you know, it's not about great fighters. It's about great fights. Exactly. And we had one with Taylor and Serrano. We're going to have another with Shields and Marshall. Maybe Mayor Baumgartner turns out to be oh, yeah. a war. You go into 2023, and you're talking about a rematch between Taylor and Serrano. I mean, there's and other fights that are going to be out there, whether it's Mayor moving up in weight to fight Katie Taylor or, or something like that. There's just a lot of of momentum right now for women's boxing. It's probably in the best place it's ever been. I mean, and you can speak to this. I mean, you you covered, you know, when Christy Martin was coming up the ranks, when when women's boxing was was just Christy Martin in a lot of ways and the occasional other fighter that's out there. Now, it's boxing. It's not just a woman. It's women in boxing. I think that's made this sport uh, really interesting to watch. And these fights have been good. Like, Shields versus Serrano, or not Shields, Serrano, Serrano versus Taylor was fantastic. That was Rock'em Sock'em Robot for 10 rounds. And I have a feeling that Marshall versus... Uh, Shields is going to be just as good. I agree, and you know the the only you alluded to the fact that the only thing missing is depth in some of the divisions. But there are more and more good women boxers every week and every month as we move forward. They're they're motivated to be a part of it because it, it does have all this momentum. You can make uh, some money now doing it, which was very difficult before. Um, and you get notoriety now that you didn't get before. So the influx of women into the sport, you see it with a lot of these amateur boxers coming forward from the UK and the United States. Um, and, and, and what's interesting is when I talk to like boxing fans that are interested in the sport, they will name women boxers to me, even ones slightly below the level of Serrano Taylor and Clarissa Shields. And so they even know some of these women and they're, they're hip to them. And, uh, and I think it's, and the, here's the other part of the equation, which I tweeted about recently. These, these women are fighting each other. They, they're unifying titles. They're, they're taking the best matches and they're making them. And that more than anything, as you point out, it's not always about the, the depth of talent. It's about the matches. And if they're really good matches, then people are going to watch.
Yeah, I agree. All right, let's talk about the fight you have coming up this weekend. Mark McSayo, Ray Vargas, WBC 126-pound title on the line. When we last saw McSayo, he was upsetting Gary Russell Jr. to win that belt. It was a good performance mm -hmm. by McSayo. But, Al, when you look back on it, one of the things I wonder, and one of the variables I think going into this fight is, was that a great performance by Mark McSayo that indicates there's more to come? Or did he catch Gary Russell Jr. on an awful night? A night that he had a physical injury in the fight and a night that he was dealing with so much outside the ring with the illness of his father, who eventually later passed away. So give me your thoughts on McSayo. Like, is Mark McSayo a, a elite guy, or is he someone that still has a lot to prove? Well, I think the jury – here's the irony, right? You beat one of the longest reigning champions and a guy who many people thought was almost – difficult for most people, not difficult for Lomachenko to be, difficult for most other people to be. Um, and, and yet, I'm about to say that the jury is still out on how good Mark McSayo is. Um, because, look, Gary Russell Jr. had a, an injury in that fight. He even said it going into the fight, which was extraordinary. I don't even remember a time when we've had that. Uh, and the injury did impact his performance. Now, Mark McSayo took advantage of that by winning the fight. Having said that, I was disappointed in part of McSayo's performance because he failed to capitalize on the injury. There were certain things he could have done that would have clearly driven home that victory. It ended up being a pretty close fight. However, Mark McSayo is a good fighter. We. He's a vulnerable fighter. We saw that in his fight with Seha, where he was knocked down. He was behind on the scorecards, had to come back to win on a knockout. He's a good fighter, a very good fighter. How good, we don't know. Fighting Ray Vargas will give us a better idea. Vargas, 122-pound champion, as you pointed out, uh, now up to 126, moving up. He has height. He has range. He's a excellent boxer, has lots of skills, and this is hardly an easy fight for Mark McSayo uh, in his first defense. So we're going to get a better picture, I think, of where McSayo is at. No question McSayo has power. Uh, he knows how to fight, but you, sometimes you feel like there's that extra spark, that extra little thing that he hasn't yet shown. And that speaks to what you were saying. You know, we're not 100% sure of just how good he is. And this Vargas fight, I think, should give us a pretty good idea. And on the card, we have Brandon Figueroa and uh, versus um, Carlos Castro. The winner of that fight is supposed to be a mandatory for the winner of uh, McSayo and Vargas. And if we don't find out uh, in, the, in this fight against Ray Vargas, let's say for the sake of argument, if Brandon Figueroa were to win that fight, not to say Carlos Castro can't, he sure can, uh, we'll find out all about uh, uh, Mark McSayo if he faces Figueroa, that's for sure. What do you think of Ray Vargas' chances here? Because Ray, uh, a champion at 122, very limited resume above that, but he's one of those freakish 
physiques, right? Like a really tall guy yeah. at 122. Well, so theoretically, he should fill out at 126. Yeah, he's he's fought a good brand of fighter at, at 122. He's fought some very good fighters. So he's been in against good fighters, and he's experienced, and he knows how to fight. He's a very good boxer. He's got, a, even though he hasn't had a knockout in six years, which is amazing, right? Uh, he never, hardly ever loses on this, loses a scorecard. Um, the statistics are staggering that, you know, he's barely, I mean, of all the scorecards in all his fights, uh, there's one that's a draw. And beyond that, you know, nothing's even, most of the other cards are not even close. So he wins rounds. Um, and you can win rounds versus McSyle. But as in the Saya fight, McSyle found a way to come back and, and, and knock him out. Ray Vargas definitely has a good chance to win this fight because if he can sustain that boxing throughout and land enough power punches to keep McSayo at bay, and McSayo does have some defensive liabilities, then Vargas can do it because for him going 12 rounds is a walk in the park. It's, you know, nothing to him. He does it all the time. So, uh, so it'll be interesting to see. The big question will be, how much does Vargas engage in this fight? Um, from the standpoint of the fans uh, watching the fight, we hope there's enough engagement from him to make it interesting. But he doesn't want too much engagement uh, that would cause him to get knocked out by McSyle. Yeah, I agree. Very interesting fight. Very good fight in the 126-pound division. All right, let me finish with this. Uh, in about 10 days, Al, I will be in Los Angeles for Ryan Garcia against Javier yeah. Fortuna. Garcia, justifiably a big favorite in mm -hmm. that fight. Fortuna was badly beaten by Jojo Diaz last year. Won one fight in between, but it was low level. Um, if Ryan Garcia wins and Ryan Garcia looks great, I'm going to be standing there in the ring, Al, and I'm going to be talking to Ryan Garcia about Tank Davis because this is the fight that everyone wants to see in the lightweight division. Two of, not the title holders, but the biggest stars, the two biggest names in the lightweight division right now are Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia. They have huge fan bases. They fight with an enormous amount of power. They're exciting every time they're in the ring. On paper, it is a no-brainer to make that fight. But as you know, paper doesn't always work that way. You know, boxing, politics get in the way to make fights. Let me ask you the question this way. Like, if Garcia wins, who needs a Garcia-Tank Davis fight more? Ryan Garcia or Tank Davis? Well, that's an interesting way to phrase it. And I think the answer might be both because for Garcia, who doesn't have a championship and who is looking for that fight that will, um, you know, stamp him as, uh, uh, as, as one of the as the best or one of the best lightweights, it's vital because he needs to add to his resume something that will make him more than just a marketable fighter. Tank Davis, let's be honest, he's been looking, he, he needs a, a fight against top competition in the lightweight division that people have criticized him for not having. Uh, and while he is, as you point out, a very exciting fighter who packs arenas, is rolling along in his career, doing pay-per-view fights and, and, they're, and doing decent business with them. And so his career is rolling along nicely, but what he needs is that fight that will push him over 
into another level. And there's no question the Garcia fight is one that can do that. And of all the lightweight machinations going on, you can make a case that from the, the Davis standpoint, the Garcia fight is the most makeable, the most the, the one that's most possible. And as you point out, championships aside, there are two fighters that can bring a lot to this matchup in terms of the marketability of it and also in terms of what happens inside the ring. Who does not want to see these two power punchers in the center of the ring battling it out? It's just, it's a I, very appealing fight. In a year in which boxing has had so many appealing fights, last couple of years, the sport, as you well know, has, uh, has, has made several steps forward in terms of putting a product out there that fans really like. This would uh, be a big part of that. I agree. And it's one of the most compelling fights that you can make. It's a fight that if you put it on pay-per-view, I think would zoom past 500,000 pay-per-view buys. I agree. Because they are just they are just hugely popular fighters and the build up to that fight would be incredible. They're hugely popular fighters with entirely different fan bases. Like the people that watch Ryan Garcia are not the fans that watch Tank Davis and vice versa. They are just they have different fan base that would come together and coalesce uh, for a fight of that magnitude. What I want to see, Al, is Tank Davis be assertive over the next couple of months. You know, and I know, that Ryan Garcia is going to be vocal yeah. about making that fight happen. He is going to say it after the fight. He is going to say yeah. Golden Boy has to make the fight. Nothing guarantee. Words don't guarantee anything. But I would really like to see Tank Davis, whether it's on social media, whether it's in interviews, to come out and say, that's the fight I want to make. You know, figure it out, networks, figure it out, promoters, but let's get me and Ryan Garcia in the ring. Because if you're Tank Davis, you've got to be looking at Ryan Garcia and saying, look, he's dangerous. He's got that left hook. He can knock anybody out. But he's not Canelo. Like, he's not a pound-for-pound guy at this point. He's not even Devin Haney, who has more of an ability to outbox you in a fight like that. Tank's going to be looking at Ryan saying, I can get to him. I can knock him out in a spectacular way, and I can build myself up to another level in doing it. So I guess that's what I want to see over the coming weeks and months out, to see Tank Davis be aggressive in trying to get this fight made and not settle for, honestly, not settle for, I don't even know what else is out there. Like, I don't know what he would do at this point at 135 or 140. It just, the landscape is relatively barren uh, on the PBC uh, you know, side of the street. So I just want to see him get aggressive out. Say I want to make this, maybe it doesn't happen for different reasons, but I want to hear from Tank Davis saying, let's make this fight happen. Well, that would certainly be an aid to making it happen. There's no question about that. And uh, you can make a case for, for Tank Davis. The time you want to fight Ryan Garcia is right now for a variety of reasons. I agree. I think Ryan Garcia is going to get better. Uh, and you mentioned the fact that, of course, he's a very powerful puncher. I, I, I think, to be honest, okay, I, I think going with Joe Goosen was great. <laughs> um, this is no rap on anybody else. I just believe Joe Goosen is a very good boxing trainer, and and uh, and I think he will help Ryan Garcia. I think it's a, a very good match. But uh, but this would be the time to make this fight. It just is the time to do it, and. And uh, yeah, I hope that everyone involved in this has a posture that they they want to try and 
make it happen. They've made efforts before, as you well know. There have been mm -hmm. efforts to make this fight, and it didn't succeed. You know, uh, let, let's hope it, you know, it does this time. And the clock may be ticking, too, because Ryan's, like, I think, what, 23 years old, a tall guy. He's going to be moving up sooner rather than later. And Tank probably has reached his limit at 140 pounds. So I I think if you want to make this fight at 135, this year is the year to do it. Yeah, I agree. I think it, and I think it makes sense. And it would be one of those fights. We keep seeing these great, really good fights being made. We're hoping that Spence Crawford will be announced pretty soon. There's other fights on the horizon that are potentially being made, plus ones that are made. This would just be, to me, from the sports standpoint, this would be one of those ones that you'd say, okay, this, this puts an exclamation uh, mark on 2020. Oh, if Spence Crawford Al doesn't get made, I might lose it here on this this show. Like it's just like what what else are they going to do yeah. at this point? If you're if you're Terrence Crawford and you don't cut a deal to fight Errol yeah. Spence, you're gonna get stuck fighting Virgil Ortiz, and that's a really tough fight. If you're Errol Spence and you don't fight uh, Terrence Crawford, you've got to either fight Boots Ennis, which is a tough fight, or vacate that IBF title. So like you know, this is the time to make a champion at one disputed. Then one or both of you can move up and wait after that and right. let some of these younger guys duke it out. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense because both could move up to 154, which is a also a talented division that has, um, you know, lots of good fights in it. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I really do believe that it's going to get made um, and, and, and it will be appropriate. And you mentioned the Ortiz's and the Ennis's and uh, Stan Jonas is another fighter. There's a crop of 147 pounders mm -hmm. coming up who are very good and very entertaining. And, uh, and, and it would be the perfect time for a changing of the guard and for them to, you know, to get a chance to, to fight for titles. I'm going to hit you with this before we go, because you mentioned 154 and you will be in New York end of the month to call Danny Garcia's return mm -hmm. to the ring. Um, how... What kind of ceiling does Danny Garcia have at 154? Do you like this move? Do you think he can be a threat in that weight class? I don't know. You know, at this juncture in his career, going up in weight into a division that's got lots of talent in it uh, is, a to be honest, in my opinion, is kind of a dangerous move. Now, he's fighting a man who's also coming up. So it isn't as if Danny Garcia now walked into the ring to fight Tim Zhu. Or, or even to fight, um, uh, I could name any, any number of, Sebastian Fedora or whoever. He's fighting somebody else, and, and appropriately. I, I don't discount, and Benavides is a fun fighter. It's, I believe it's going to be an action fight, by the way. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, but what Danny Garcia can do at this juncture of his career at 154 against the top 154 pounders, that's a good question because that division has – really good fighters in it um i'm a i'm a believer that uh, you know the 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 talent pool of the tony harrison's of the world he's still a good fighter fandora zoo you go down the list there's so many jared hurt is still floating out there and even though he didn't look great in his last fight you could think of Hurd against Garcia. It's interesting. So I, I think we're going to be looking first and foremost to see how does Danny Garcia perform, period. He's had a layoff. Uh, you know, he's not coming in off, off, off a great performance. Uh, so 
it's up to Danny Garcia in this fight to demonstrate he's still an upper echelon fighter in whatever weight division he chooses to fight in. And so there's pressure on him to produce that kind of performance. Now, there's Benavidez, who has come back to the sport and has had a very close win the last time he fought, that we had that on Showtime. A lot of pressure on him to show that he can perform at a higher level. So both men are in similar situations, though not exactly the same. Um, and we'll see. I, you know, Danny Garcia has, uh, he is known to boxing fans, so that means he's going to get fights like this. Yeah, I talked about this with Jamel Herring last week. Danny Garcia was a big puncher at 140, not so much at 147. Right. So I don't know how that power is going to carry to 154, where question. you need to have power to keep some, not not necessarily in this coming fight, right. but in the upper echelon fights exactly. against the Fundoras, the Harrisons, those guys. you got to be able to keep those guys off you, or else you're going to get run over. Uh, Al, good to talk to you, man. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Enjoy San Antonio. Don't fall into the Riverwalk. I've I've had that almost happen a couple of times in my years covering the NBA, so just be careful down there. I, I will try. I will try. When we come back, my conversation with Steven Espinoza. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And that's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And as long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. Uh, That's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs— eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Fight fans, come out swinging with a no-sweat first bet on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers get up to $1,000 back in free bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up with the promo code BOXING. Bet who will win, knockouts, when the fight will end, and so much more. So if you haven't tried FanDuel, now is the perfect time to give it a shot. Join now with the promo code BOXING to get a no-sweat first bet. That's up to $1,000 back in free bets if your first bet doesn't win exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. All right, Steven Espinoza is here, president of Showtime Sports. He is in lovely San Antonio for the Showtime fight this weekend. Mark McSire, Ray Vargas, 126-pound title fight. Uh, also recently announced uh, the documentary that Showtime collaborated with Kevin Durant on, Point Gods. That's You're right, kind of in both my sweet spots right now, Steven. The NBA. You're basketball. absolutely right. Yeah. And, and, and that's our goal, just to keep you happy, Chris. That's, that's what we're doing over here. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Well, yeah. it, it's a busy uh, busy few weeks, busy couple of months coming up uh, for Showtime. I want to start with the news that broke, well, early in the week when I, I reported that Jake Paul was going to face Asim Rockman Jr. Jake Paul came out on Thursday, and uh, I don't know if he created the fight poster on his own, but he did, he put it out there that the uh, deal is done. Um, let's, let me start there. Tom, there's a lot of confusion about what's going on with Tommy Fury. What can you tell people about why this fight with Fury isn't happening? What his issues are getting into the United States? How resolvable they are in the future? Um, can you clear up any of it? Sure. I mean, I, I can tell you what I've been what I've been told. Um, so uh, I, I think I have a fair degree of confidence in him, but I'm getting it second and third hand for the most part. Um, one thing that we've heard pretty consistently from a variety of different people um, that, you know, this so-called no-fly list or banned list related to kin, people with kin hand ties, Tommy's not on it. Tommy's not banned from entering the U.S. Um, and, you know, for his part, Tommy's team has assured us that there are no ties between Tommy and Daniel Kinahan. And, of course, uh, you know, based on those assurances and the fact that Tommy was in the U.S. for, you know, for more than a week uh, in mid-May, just about six, eight weeks ago, gave us confidence in, in going forward. Now, when Tommy showed up to fly to New York City for the press conference, he was denied. He said his travel documentation was not valid. So beyond that, you know, there is a problem with his documentation. He is not on the Kinahan, you know, no-fly list, so say. But there, there is obviously something, and there is something that we were told would not be immediately resolvable. It's not like, hey, go to the embassy, and a half hour later, everyone straightens it off and, you know, straightens it out, and we're, we're on to the races. We're told it's more complicated. Unfortunately, you know, I don't, I don't have a lot more information to that other than they say, look, we, we, we're not sure it's going to take a little bit of time. We're not sure that we could have it resolved for August 6th. And therefore, we really didn't have much choice but to start looking at other options. How do you feel about you know, putting another option like Asim Rahman Jr. out there? I mean, I would argue, and, and you as a boxing guy would probably agree, Rahman Jr. is as dangerous or more dangerous to Jake Paul than Tommy Fury was. He, he just is. He just, yeah, he, just, he just doesn't have the name recognition, right? Like So it's like Jake is taking maybe a more dangerous fight that doesn't have the same commercial appeal. Yeah, I, I think, look, it's, um, look, you, you want to match Jake 
appropriately, you know, with, with an appropriate challenge. Um, and, you know, he wants to answer the, the question about him being um, a credible boxer and actually take someone who is a full-time boxer. Um, I, I think that if we end up with Hasim Rahman Jr., I think Rahman is definitively, he is a more difficult opponent uh, than Tommy Fury. And, and I'm not, you know, that's not a slide against Tommy Fury by any means. I just think when you look at his pedigree, the number of fights, you know, the fact that he is much bigger than Jake or Tommy, um, he's been fighting at heavyweight for most of his career. He'd be coming down a little bit to around, you know, probably in the range of 200 to fight Jake. So you put that all together. I think this is uh, a riskier fight. I think Rockman is a riskier fight um, just because of uh, Rockman has a little bit more experience. He's got some amateur pedigree. He's got, you know, the bloodline for what that's worth. And he's a, a big, strong guy who's been boxing a lot longer than Jake. It's a little bit of a strange endeavor because, you know, obviously um, we need somebody with a little bit of marketability and a name opposite because it is supporting a pay-per-view. And therefore, there are a lot of guys that we considered and evaluated, not, you know, and then just dismissed, not because they weren't good fighters or quality matchups. It just, they didn't have, you know, the marketability to, to hang your hat on a pay-per-view on. What do you want to get out of your relationship with Jake? I mean, right now you're working with him on a fight-by-fight uh, basis. Um, what do you see as the future of, of Showtime and Jake Paul, of Jake Paul in general? Like, where does, where does this story go as his career progresses? That's part of the fun. Um, is, I, I don't think anybody knows. Um, and uh, I think we're, we're taking it as a step at a time. You know, our goal is to be in business with Jake long term. You know, if that's um, Diaz fight and Anderson Silva fight, if it's a Mike Tyson fight, if it's other, um, you know, uh, professional boxers. Um, you know, what, what we've seen, these people are showing up at the start of the card, you know, by the time you get to, you know, two fights into the pay-per-view, um, we're, we're seeing the arena's two-thirds full, if not more. So, look, I understand it's not everybody's cup of tea. You know, a lot of people are out there rooting for Jake, too, which is, you know, fine as well. Um, Floyd Mayweather made a great career out of that uh, for a long, long time. So, I think, look, I think it is, it's a different genre of boxing. It's something I think it is positive. It is expanding the audience. And as long as he's doing credible boxing competitions, you know, competitive fights, legitimate stuff that people have interest in, we'll, we'd love to be along for the ride. Yeah, I, I've, I said this to Al Bernstein earlier. I, I kind of laugh at the fighter criticism of Jake Paul because fighters got to look at the receipts. They, you go back to your sixth professional fight, and who are you facing? Sergio Mora, who I work with, who I fight with him over this all the time. I'm like, Sergio, and your sixth professional fight, you fought a guy named Warren Kronberger, okay, who finished his career at 4-10. So let's just let's stop acting like you were facing killers early on in your career as well. Jake's, uh, Jake's doing right. it on a far more high-profile stage. He's far more visible about it, but it's not like he's facing guys that would have been embarrassing for you back in uh, back in your day. Um, I, I want to ask you about some other stuff that's kind of coming up and and fights that people are interested in that you're involved with with Showtime. Crawford versus Spence is something everybody's kind of waiting for. Um, you know, you're doing more and more business with PBC as Fox is sort of phasing out of, of boxing, or at least it seems that way. Um, what can you tell anybody, or what can you tell people about the future of Crawford Spence? I mean, how much confidence do you have um, as someone that might be involved in it, that that fight happens this year? I, I have a, a, a fairly high degree of confidence. Um, and that's not because I, 
I, I know that there's, you know, meaningful progress being made that we're, you know, you know, getting close to having a signature on a dotted line. It, it's because everybody here wants it. There's nobody who is fighting against it. There's not a promoter dispute. There are no network conflicts. The fighters have been very open. Now is the time. Um, they're very focused on it. So I think when, you know, we've got everybody pulling in the same direction and nobody pulling against, then I, I think it's it's basically inevitable. And, and, and I've said it before, I don't want to get too much into the specifics because I, I do think that, you know, gets people's ego involved and then people start, you know, once you start negotiating the press, I think you're, you're, you're almost dooming yourself. Uh, but I, I would say it's really just a matter of figuring out the appropriate deal, which does take time. But, you know, you'd say, okay, it's all done except for making the deal. It, it sounds funny to say that, but a lot of times, you know, things break down, you know, outside of the deal. I mean, go back to in the most recent one, the Munguia fight, you know, Munguia had accepted his deal and it fell apart for reasons outside of the deal. So in this particular case, I, I think all the stuff outside the deal is, you know, is, is resolvable, if not already resolved. And now it's just a matter of sort of punching the numbers and getting to a deal that everyone feels like is fair. And I think, I'm not saying that we're there yet, you know, uh, really PBC is on the front lines of that. We're there in a, in a support role. Um, if we can be helpful, it will be. But I'm, I'm confident that it will get done because everybody wants it to get done. Your your relationship or Showtime's relationship with PBC is always a source of, of intrigue. You know, you are you are basically PBC's North Star. You're always there. You're its rock <laughs> no matter what. What other networks is working with, Showtime's always there and always continues to be there. Um, as I mentioned, it does seem like Fox is, is getting out of the boxing business outside of the periodic pay-per-view at this point. How do you see your relationship with PBC moving forward? Do you see it expanding even further? Do you anticipate them finding another network to potentially partner with? Um, in your conversations with people there, like how do you see that dynamic uh, evolving? Well, look, um, the market's gone through a lot of changes. And, and I think it was 2015 when, when PBC started with the strategy of sort of, sort of opening up things a little bit more and saying, look, let, let's see if we can spread it around, take a little bit of the NFL model and, and sort of put a little bit of a bunch of different networks and get other networks invested. And, and that was, they came to us, explained it to us and said, look, this is our, our theory. You know, we had, you know, there's parts that we agreed with, parts that we didn't, but we understood and, and agreed that it was, you know, probably in the best interest of, of boxing, at least conceptually. You can take issue with, you know, the execution of various things here or there. But I think the goal was, let's see if we can make the whole pie bigger by, you know, elevating the exposure and going on different networks and getting in front of a range of people who don't normally see the sport. So, you know, there were some successes. There were some areas that, you know, didn't go as well. Um, and look, ultimately, I think the way that the market has, has shifted, I, I think the pendulum is probably, you know, swinging back to us a little bit. Um, and I think it's you know because of our production value and in our marketing prowess and and our commitment to the sport. Um, you know, going forward, you know, look, things can change at any point, and and they usually do. Just when you think the dust is settling, um, then that's when you know chaos erupts. Um, but you know, whether it's PBC or whether there's other opportunities, you know, we've been here for 35 years. We're not going anywhere. We're always going to figure out a way to be relevant in this sport. Do you feel like you have the, the the budget 
to make some of these fights. I mean, you, you, I mean, I, I've given you credit many times over for the Charlo Castaño stuff. Two great fights, both on Showtime. I think that helped both fighters exponentially because of the visibility that was brought to that. As we look forward, and, and people are waiting for, you know, whether it's Jamal Charlo against David Benavidez or Caleb Plant against David Benavidez, these big fights that aren't natural pay-per-views, do you feel like you're going to be able to get those fights done in a timely manner? Look, I, I'd love to have an unlimited budget. I, I'd love to get the uh, the license fees, um, you know, or to be able to pay the license fees that other sports, you know, throw around. Um, there are limits to to our budget, um, but when push comes to shove, more often than not, I would argue the vast majority of the time, we have figured it out. Sometimes it's a little bit painful. Um, sometimes we, you know, have to get creative in how we finance and how we put things. But I, I thought it was very important that both of those Charlo Castaño fights go on Showtime and not on pay-per-view. I think they would have done fine on pay-per-view, but I think it was better for the sport that they didn't go on pay-per-view. And so, you know, we bore a little bit of the pain, PBC bore a little bit of the pain. And I think in the end, the, the sport was better for it. Um, the rating shows that. Mm -hmm. I, I think the, you know, the, the PR, the results, all of that. So I think that was the, the right decision. Um, you know, going forward, look, PVC has a business to run and they may come to us and say, look, um, we, you know, we've got some opportunities to expand the market and that's good for everybody. Maybe that would happen right now. Um, we're really thrilled with, with, you know, what we did last year, what we're doing this year. And um, I, I think we've got a lot of momentum and, and, you know, two big fights, you know, hopefully on the horizon. You've mentioned one and I know you're going to ask about the other one pretty shortly. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's probably correct. But uh, just, just to put a button right. on Charlo, and I mean, I I just know after the Charlo Castagno fight, I had casual fans coming up to me being like, that was a great fight, man. That was great. Fans that would not have bought a pay-per-view. And and they were exposed yeah. to Jermel Charlo, and that's great for him. It's great for Showtime. It's great for his future as a pay-per-view star, frankly. Like, if you're getting guys that see him picking up a knockout late in the fight. All right, let's finish with what you know I'm going to ask about. In about a week's time, Stephen, I am probably going to be standing in a ring with Ryan Garcia after Ryan Garcia picks up a big knockout. I mean, that, that seems to be the most likely outcome in a fight with Javier Fortuna, who's a good, experienced guy, but Ryan's probably on a different level than him. Uh, I have no doubt that I'm going to get into it with Ryan over Tank Davis because Ryan is very public about how much he wants a Tank Davis fight. It is, I think, the biggest fight in the lightweight division. I, I, all due respect to Devin Haney and George Cambosis, they fight for all the belts, Ryan and Tank fight for all the money. They are the biggest names at 135 pounds. I'm of the belief, and you can tell me if you disagree, I don't see how this fight gets done without multiple networks involved, multiple promoters involved getting it done. Because, like, I don't think that DAZN should be excluded because they have given millions to Ryan Garcia over the years and helped build him up. And you clearly shouldn't be excluded because you've given millions to Tank Davis and helped to build him mm -hmm. up. How, you're going to have a big role in in a fight like that potentially getting done. Um, what's your perspective on that? How, what will your mindset be on July 18th if Ryan Garcia comes out victorious? Look, I I, I agree with your setup. Um, I think it's it's certainly the biggest fight that can be made in that division. One of the four or five biggest fights that can be made in the sport. Um, you know, I I look at it a little bit like. Um, you know, and, and these guys were at, at later stages of their career and arguably bigger PR wise, but it, it's got some of the dynamics of 
um, De La Hoya Mayweather there. And, and not just because you, you know, you've got both fighters affiliated with those guys, but just, you know, their, their personas and their fan bases and what they bring to the table. And we knew when you've got those two different fan bases coming together, it just makes a, a massive event. And I think stylistically, it's, it's really intriguing match, matchup. So look, it's a great fight. You know, we, we'd love to help it happen. Um, look, there's, there, there's always hurdles you know, to this fight, to, to fights like this, to, to big fights. Um, you know, this one, unlike Spence Crawford, I mean, there are some things that, you know, need to be sorted out. Now, I'd start from where I started with Spence Crawford. Um, it seems very clear that both Ryan and, and Tank want the fight and want each other next. I mean, Ryan was there on May 28th for, for the Tank uh, Rolling Romero fight. And Tank was very aware that he was there. You know, he sort of called him out, you know, from the ring before the fight and after the fight. You know, they had an exchange one-on-one, uh, even during the fight. So, look, those, they're orbiting each other. It feels like it's the right fight to make. It feels like there's a limited window because Ryan, you know, is not going to be able to stay at 135 forever. So, look, that, that's a great start. And in general, I said when, when fighters truly want the fight, there's really not a partner or a network that will stand in the way if they insist on getting it. Um, having said that, look, our, our preference is, is to not have to partner on pay-per-view distribution and TV production. It, it's a massive complication. It, it creates a lot more difficulty than people realize. And, you know, I think there are lots of ways that we can split the baby, so to speak, in a way that that's fair to both sides that wouldn't require, you know, an actual partnership in this unwieldy structure on a distribution and production method. I mean, look, the two exceptions that have happened, Tyson Lewis and Mayweather Pacquiao are quite literally the two biggest culturally transcendent events in the history of the sport. Um, Those are, you know, arguably probably the the two biggest. Um, But, you know, Tank would, Tank and Ryan would be a big fight, but it's not quite on the level of that one. So it's, it's sort of, it's tough to justify going through all that trouble and you're going through all that, you know, for a fight that doesn't, isn't, you know, this transcendent cultural event. I, I think there are simpler ways to solve the problem that don't leave either side out in the cold. Um, that, that's my hope anyway. But look, you know, if we look at our history, we have, we have tried as much as possible and often as possible to not be an obstacle. You know, we weren't, when Danny Jacobs, you know, Danny, you know, called us and said, I want to fight Golovkin. And unfortunately it's going to have to be on HBO, mm-hmm. you know, you know, go with God, good luck, great opportunity. Um, Regis Progray and the world boxing super series, you know, you know, Devin Haney, you know, there's plenty of others that, you know, when they've come to us and said, we want to do this fight and it's got to be somewhere else. Like we've, we've generally said, okay, well, great. Well, we hope that you come back after you, you know, win your big fight. You know, the reality here, that's what I hope would happen in this fight too, on one level, you know, that, you know, um, but if, look, there's, there's a lot of negotiating still, still to go on that one. I, I, um, I agree that it's not close to the level of Tyson Lewis or Pacquiao Mayweather. I would say mm -hmm. it's probably, and you know, this business better than I do, but it's probably north of 500,000 pay-per-view buys. I think that's, that's a number it would do. And it's a gate that 
15 million, 20 million, because you're talking about, as you noted, two very different fan bases. Um, you know, Tank's got a fan base that supports him. Ryan's got a fan base that supports him. And I'd be surprised if they crossed over at all, frankly, like with, with that. So, I, you know, you could be talking a massive gate and a massive number on pay-per-view, bigger than maybe any other number outside of Canelo fights at this point. So, I mean, does that does that not make it worth trying to to I mean, what is the threshold for coming together and doing things jointly? Yeah. And you know, look, it it's it's not a clear line and I'm not saying no how no way under no circumstances. Um I'm saying look, I I don't think that it's necessary to go to that extreme to make the fight happen. Um I think there are other ways to split the baby. Um but I, I'm not saying look, never in a million years will we ever consider that. Um, I, I don't think that's the way to go. Um, I think there are, there are ways to do it. I think, you know, some of the things that we went through on the Mungia uh, situation are applicable here. You know, some of the ways that we suggested, okay, we get the first one, you know, um, then the second one goes somewhere else. You know, there, there are other ways to do it. But at the end of this, you know, this is where I'll contrast it with Spence Crawford. Spence Crawford, I think everyone's got the same agenda. But as we've seen with, Charlo Munguia, you know, the fighters wanted it. The fighters agreed to their deals. And even though there wasn't a contractual obligation in place at that point, there was no Golden Boy DAZN deal. There was no Munguia DAZN deal. The DAZN Golden Boy element was still was still a, a problem, even though there was not a contractual obligation. And quite honestly, I think, you know, I, I feel bad for Munguia because, you know, he suffered on not just one or two opportunities, there were arguably three big opportunities that he had and he didn't get any of them. Mm -hmm. And I think he was a pawn in a bigger conversation, a bigger dynamic. And that's really unfortunate when the fighter has to suffer. Now th that's what I want to avoid. Um, you know, and I think for the good of the sport and the good of the fighters, we need to figure out a way to make this happen. Yeah. Uh, I, I know you've, you and I have talked about the, you take the first, we take the second or vice versa kind of thing. I, I think that has the potential to work if it's guaranteed there is a second, which isn't always mm -hmm. the case. And then if there is no second, how is the side that didn't get the first compensated? It's just a, it, it is equally complicated and equally murky as well. But I think we both agree. Like, that's that's the fight, man. I mean, you, you go into the second half of the year, it's Spence Crawford being the biggest fight people want to see. AJ uh, against – or if AJ wins, AJ Fury, if, if that happens, that's mm -hmm. up there on the list. But Ryan and Tank in the U.S., second biggest fight out there. Like, massive no, event. And, and and look, and, and I think if if we're somehow able to help these events come to fruition and we look back at really the last 12 months to have done Canelo plant, to have done, you know, Charlo Castaño twice, to have done Spence Ugas, Spence Crawford, and in, in Garcia, you know, versus, uh, and Tank versus Ryan in a 12-month in a span, that's a fantastic run of 12 months of fights. Now, look, we're not there yet. Um, but like, that's one where you can look back and say, wow, that is, it's not all in one calendar year. It's sort of November to December, but that's a fantastic, that's a, that's a strong, a run of big fights as we've had in the last decade or two. I agree. No question about it. Uh, and for all the aggregators out there, make sure you take away from this Espinoza. I will block Garcia tank. That should be your headline on <laughs> boxing scene. On, that's right. For the quick morning. Thing. Quick thing, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure there's some. There's some bite in there that someone can chop up and make clickbait out of it. No question about it. Steven Espinosa, always good to talk to you, man. Good luck this weekend with the Magsayo Ray Vargas fight. That can be seen on Showtime. And July 29th, if you're a basketball fan listening to this, 
The uh, Kevin Durant uh, produced documentary Point Gods is uh, terrific. You can catch that on Showtime as well. Catch up soon, Stephen. All right. Great to talk to you, Chris. And when we come back, this week's picks brought to you by FanDuel. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And that's easy for me to do because I still have my first car and as long as it keeps running and so far so good I intend to have that car probably until the day I die Uh, that's how much I love that car it is like a child to me now it does require some upkeep and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors with over 122 million parts you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly brake kits LED lights roof racks bumpers Whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, time now for this week's picks, brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. And this week, I am locked in on the heavyweight fight between Derek Chisora and Kubrat Pulev, a rematch of the 2016 fight between Chisora and Pulev that Pulev won by split decision. Now, both these guys are well past their best days. In fact, the loser of this fight is probably headed towards retirement. But this has the potential to be a really fun fight and has the potential to be a great pick for an upset. Right now, according to FanDuel, Derek Chisora is at plus 240. Kubrat Pulev, minus 330. I'm picking Chisora to win this fight. Go back to 2016. Chisora lost that fight. He was outboxed. The split decision was probably wrong. He probably deserved a unanimous decision defeat. But Chisora, I think that was just a bad night for him. He was fighting in Pulev's backyard. This fight is going to take place in Chisora's backyard, and he is so much better and it feeds off the energy of that home crowd when he fights in the U.K. So I think he's going to come with a different attitude. I also think that Chisora is a little bit less washed up than Pulev is at this point. Pulev, 
uh, I should say Chisora is coming off a loss to Joseph Parker, two losses to Joseph Parker. Before that, he was beaten by Alexander Usyk. Not a good stretch of fights for Chisora, but you look at what Pulev has done, who he's fought. He was knocked out in a one-sided fight by Anthony Joshua. He beat Jerry Forrest in a very boring fight. Before that, he beat Rydell Booker. Who cares? Bogdan Dinu, eh, doesn't really do much for me. I think Chisora's got a little bit left, so I'm taking Chisora to win this fight on the upset. Now, how he wins... Derek Chisora is plus 600 to win by points or decision. I think that's the right bet. Chisora has his reputation as being a power puncher, and he can crack, but I don't think he's got enough power to put Pulev down and out. Pulev went nine rounds with Anthony Joshua. He went the distance with Chisora the last time they fought. I think he goes the distance again. So take Chisora to win. Take Chisora to win by decision. Those are my picks. Brought to you by FanDuel. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Al Bernstein and Steven Espinoza for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. And I'll see you next week. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.